chapter 8. So we're picking up here, Romans chapter 8. Well, let's go to verse 30 again. And, um, and actually, let's go to that, back up to 28. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. I just happen to love the Passion Translation. Hi, Hannah. And so I want to read this. We'll read from verse 28, and then we'll carry on, because it's all part of a great, great story. And I appreciate your patience with me as um, kind of walk through different different things. We're going... Uh, like Mondays, I think what I'm going to do is in the evening, we're going to have a worship time and um, <clears throat> just spend some time in worship so we can come into his presence. I've been feeling more and more lately uh, that his presence is more desirable than anything else and um, and that we need to come, especially as we're coming to the revelation and the tail end of whatever COVID is all about. We need to have a close, deep, intimate um, relationship with the Lord. Uh, we're, we're, in a, we're in a time now where God is going to start um, revealing things that have been hidden, uh, especially uh, in the church, also in the, um, in the world in general, uh, that he's going, to, he's going to bring all of these things to light. And, um, and uh, for, those, for those that think that God is not, hi Iris, uh, for those, hi Robert, for those that think that God isn't um, uh, he's just kind of aloof at this moment, don't really know him, and realize that, that God is, is, is doing things behind the scenes to make uh, all that we do and all that, that's going to happen in this end time revival is going to be uh, in this time. Now, the Lord showed me back in October, and, and we'll get to Romans in a second, but the Lord showed me back in October that there was going to be a great shaking. I thought it was an earthquake. I still may think that there is an earthquake uh, on the horizon. I don't know that. I, that's not a prophetic word. It's just something I feel. Um, and uh, and then like after that, after this great shaking, that there is going to be a billions souls revival. Like there's going to be a couple of billion at least people born again. And people are getting born again right now. Sean Foyt's doing these uh, worship uh, times all over the country. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he's, he's been to California, he's been New York, Arkansas, he's been, he's been around. So Connecticut and, uh, and people are getting saved. Uh, Kanye West, whatever you think about him, uh, apparently thousands of people are getting saved at each of his concerts. So it's really, really cool. But there's a billions souls revival about ready to burst out, um, after the shaking is over with. I don't believe that we're over the shaking yet. I, I believe that there's still things that are going to be shaking and um, shaken. And uh, and those that wait on the Lord, those that hold on to the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. And these are discouraging times. If you don't look up, if you don't put your eyes upon him, these are desperate times. But when your eyes are on him, he always takes care of his own. All right, the Bible says, and, and I was with a friend yesterday, and, uh, and the Bible specifically says that in the last days you will have tribulation. That word tribulation is, is, uh, means anxiety, stress, um, you know, persecutions. You're going to have those things. But he said, be of good courage, for I have overcome the world. He has overcome the world. It's just like Jesus knows what's going to happen 
uh, going to the other side of the lake. Even though there's a storm, Jesus is still asleep. And, and the disciples needed to hold on to him during that time. And, and um, anyway, so let's read this. Um, so we are convinced that every detail, everybody say every detail, every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives, for we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. And those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. Verse 31. So what does this all mean? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me, who then could ever stand against us? For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. I love that. Everybody say gift of his son. He proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as a sacrifice for us all, he certainly withhold, won't withhold from us anything else that he has to give. If God gave you his most precious treasure, why would he withhold anything else from us? His greatest treasure, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. Who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen to love to be his. God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over them, not guilty. Let's go back to verse 1 of chapter 8. <laughs> it says, now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation for those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. Hear what I say. The case is closed. And then here, in verse 33, he says, God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over them, not guilty. Now, you know, in America, we have court systems and all that. They, they have it like literally around the world. And, and uh, uh, Moses set it up in the Old Testament on how to do this. And he says in there that, that, that you go before, I mean, you have your accuser and you have your defense attorney, you have your advocate, our advocate happens to be Jesus, okay? And, um, and, and you have your accuser who happens to be the devil, Satan, uh, Lucifer, the fallen Lucifer. Um, and, 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 and so God is the judge. And the accuser comes up and says, Tom did this, Tom did that, Tom did this, Tom did that. Okay? And, 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 and he, he has all these accusations which, if I can tell you, happened to be mostly true. Not all of it. Most of it is true because the devil will always take something about you, uh, a, a uh, something that happened or, or, or something about you, and twist it. 
He will do it so he can twist it and make it into uh, a really, really harsh, uh, harsh thing. And, and what you have to realize is that God turns it around. God sits there and he listens to the accusations. And then all those accusations, and in my case, a thousand years go by or more. And, and Jesus comes up and he, and he says, does the defense have anything uh, that they wish to say? And Jesus comes up and Jesus says, I paid for it. It's already been paid for. It's called double indemnity. You can't be accused of a crime, okay, that uh, twice. You can't be accused of the same crime twice. Once you've been found guilty, uh, once you've been found not guilty, they, they can't accuse you again. They can't do this, all right? And and, and so it's called, like, uh, for example, uh, if somebody, um, if somebody kills somebody, or is accused of killing somebody, and that person comes up again, like like that person never really he faked his death, or she faked her death, and she and she's found again. Then what happens is this person uh, who is accused cannot be uh, accused again of of another crime. So this uh, this this person she can't she can never be accused again of killing her husband, or he can never be accused again. And that's uh, that, that's part of the law. You can't be charged twice for the same crime, for this to the same person. Okay, um, I hope you get what I mean. It was a little hard to explain, but it's called double indemnity, and you can't uh, you you can't be charged twice for the same crime to the same person. Okay, uh, uh, especially like murder, thieves, you know, burglary, yes, but not but not murder and stuff like that. Anyway, moving on. So Jesus comes out. And he said, Father, here's the payment for that. I paid for that sin already. I paid for that crime. I paid for that thing that Tom did, uh, you know, throughout his life. And, and, and that doesn't give me permission to do it again. What that means is and I, that it, it just means that the blood of Jesus and the grace of the Lord and the mercy of God comes and, and does not take into account a wrong. Because God is love, and the Bible says that God does not take into account a wrong suffered. But I have received the sacrifice of Jesus into my life. 47 years ago today, at right about uh, uh, East Coast time would be 8.34, 8.35, somewhere in there, after a, a handful of hamburgers and hot dogs, I gave my heart to Jesus. And, and I've been on this journey for 47 years as he continually, like he says, uh, fulfills my destiny to, to be in the image of his son, to show the image of Jesus in my life. I've been on this journey for 47 years. So if God is for you, my, my, my loved ones, listen to me. If God is for you, then who possibly can, can stand against you in this? If God is standing with you, if Jesus is standing with you, how in the world can anybody, how in the world can anybody stand there and, and, and continually accuse you? Do you realize that when somebody comes against you with, uh, with you know, with, with an accusation, um, you know, a, a, less per, a lesser person will always come out and say a lesser person will do this a lesser person will come out and 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 they will start accusing you and keep accusing you and a lesser person will never want anything asked about them 
And uh, my dad used to say this. He used to say, if you live in a glass house, don't throw stones. So I had to learn in my life not to overlook somebody's sin, but recognize that their sin does not define who they are. They are defined by who they are because Jesus defines them to be made in the image of, of himself. The Father molds you into the image of his Son. That's what you're predestined to do. That's what you were destined. That's God's plan for your life. What that looks like in the other stuff and what you do is, is totally, up, uh, to totally not uh, in this equation. What you do has nothing to do with who you are. I am a believer. I, I, I love God and I'm a believer and I, and I love people. But, but here's the thing. I'm not defined. I'm defined. My destiny here is to be molded into the image of his son. That's what, that's what my, my destiny is. That's what my purpose on life, in life is. What God has asked me to do for him is the second part. And I show forth the image of Jesus by encouraging, building up, strengthening people around me. And that's me. That God gave me those words. I am a builder. I'm called to be a builder. That's what I do. People ask me for counsel. I, I very rarely ever give counsel. I just point people back to who they really are. And I build them up and I encourage them to go to Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. All I can do for people is bring them into the presence of the Lord. I said that yesterday, last night. All I can do is bring people into the presence of the Lord because that's all that I can do. I don't have this counsel. I don't have this, you know, I'm not a counselor. Um, I, I am a, a lover of God, yes. I'm a father to many but all I can do is bring you into his presence because I know that. I can bring you there. And Jesus, who's the great counselor, the Bible says that um, the, the Bible says that he is the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. You know, he's counselor, right? I think that's Isaiah 9. He's a counselor. My only advice to anybody is come into his presence. My only advice is get into his presence. Put your head up against his breast and don't let go. Stay there. He loves you. He wants you. Hi, Hilda. He holds you deep in his, uh, against his breast and he says, I love you. That thing that you just confessed and, and asked for help to repent of, and to turn away from that, that's not your destiny. That's not who you are. You're better than that. God tells me that a lot. Tom, you're better than that. What are you doing? God has some things he wants to fill in your life. And he wants to fulfill in your life. And you can't get bogged down with the stuff that's happening around you. Remember your destiny.
And remember that if he is standing with you, then who in their right mind can stand against you? If you have the creator of the universe, the creator of time, the creator of space, the creator of all of this, who can actually fight against you and win? Nobody. There's nobody. Oh, he can get you discouraged. Don't get me wrong. He can get you to, to turn your eyes away from the creator to the creation. You know, I mean, uh, um, a lot of new age people, they, they worship the earth, wind and fire. They have songs to earth, wind and fire. And, 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 um, and what they do is um, they worship the sun, but they would rather worship the creature rather than the creator. Because it's easier. You can see that. You can't see Jesus. And that's why Christianity is the hardest thing. Because it requires faith. It requires more faith to be atheist, atheist, that there is no God. Because ultimately they always come down to it had to be one, had to be something. Right? All I'm saying today is that he loves you. And he cares for you. And he's given you a destiny. And if he is for you, then who can be against you? And the righteous judge, the judge of all the earth, who is more righteous than anybody, he's more righteous than anything, he looks at you and he says, case dismissed, case is closed, not guilty. He is the supreme, supreme court. We're going to stop there and we'll pick up tomorrow. But I want to pray for a few things. Um, I have a friend uh, whose um, who's relative, I think, is in, in, is in uh, a different country and, uh, and, and they're, they're not well. Uh, we need to pray for healing there. We need to pray. I have a friend in, in New Mexico who, who uh, is in the, going to the hospital now for some lung stuff. We're going to pray for that. Um, so let's, let's just pray right now. For, for God to pour out his spirit like never before upon us through this last times. Again, I don't know what this last sh or this shaking is going to be. I don't know when it's going to be. But God showed me there is a shaking and then will come the billions souls revival. And we need to start preparing now because you are going to experience stuff throughout the rest of your life. And you need to trust him now so that you can be strong enough to trust him then. Okay, so Lord, in Jesus' name, we come to you. You paid for healing on the cross, and we pray for that now. And we ask you to move mightily, God, that there is nothing, God, that will ever break us apart from your love. If you are for us, then who can be against us? And God, we open ourselves up to know that we um, that we are called to be made into the image of your Son and walking in his righteousness. So, Lord, today, just help us and fill us mightily with the presence of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody has a financial need that I just heard, and I just feel like you need to know that God uh, God is going to rescue you in that. Um, you know, so just hold your hand out and receive what God has. It's going to come supernaturally, 
but it's just going to be, it's going to be that God is going to do that for you. Well, anyway, God bless you. You have a great day and we'll talk to you next time.